Hi, my name is Sarah, and this is my podcast. So, after film, filming, gosh, after recording my cult upbringing part one, I did a episode that I haven't put out yet, and it was about me leaving the cult, my path to recovery, and all that. And I was going to make it part two, and then I realized that I had left some things out of the story. So, I figured to avoid confusion and things like that, I guess that I would go ahead and make this part too and make that a whole nother podcast of itself. So, let's get into it. Um, first off, you may hear my daughter in the background at times, but if you can, just ignore it. it. You know, I hope it's not a big deal. There's really not much I can do about it because I am a stay-at-home mom, so she's with me pretty much all the time. So, if you remember where we left off, my mom had had a confrontation with someone um with the pastor's granddaughter at the church we were going to and they took the girl's word over hers and it was like this big ordeal over like nothing and we ended up having to leave that church so after that we floated around to like different churches we visited different churches that kind of took on the um, label of an evangelist and at first I didn't mind I had absolutely loathed that church we were going to the one I was raised up in and uh, I was happy to leave we went like all over the place like we went to churches that were like t- two hours away an hour and 15 minutes away um, five minutes away, like 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 50, like it was just all over the place. And so as a young kid getting to travel around, I was fine with it. I hated going to like long distances, but the church I was raised up in, it was an hour one way. So it really wasn't that big of a deal. It was just kind of one of the things that's like, oh, that's kind of annoying. And looking back on it now, I think that it's ridiculous because I feel like there's so many people like if you really cared about helping God's people and stuff like that like you know these preachers claim to I feel like it'd be better to help people where you're at instead of trying to go somewhere like a million miles away but that's you know that's just me and during this time we came across some very crazy people (laughs) like there's just really no other way to say it the one that sticks out to me the most is this church that we went to and it was so far away i can't even remember how long it was and they did not have electric music they didn't have mics um they didn't have indoor bathrooms they had like literal outhouses and my parents were okay with going to a church like that but whenever we visited churches that didn't believe as strict as we did, they didn't um, think they ought to go back. And it, that's crazy. And so, like, the church that I was talking about, they had electricity, but, um, like, not instruments or mics or anything like that. So, they had this big, huge air conditioner. Like, it was one of the biggest air conditioners I've ever seen in my life. They had it in the wall in the back, very back of the church. And if you were sitting from like about the middle to the back, 
you couldn't even hear what the preacher was saying hardly if any and i've always wondered like what was the good in that you know what i'm saying if that's yeah anyway and the pastor of this church he would him and some other members not all but like some would use a mic if they were at like another church or something like that but um <clears throat> at that church they didn't and the pastor and his wife had a daughter who was a lesbian and i remember it was always like the woe of their lives that their daughter had become a lesbian and i am a very traditional christian i don't see eye to eye with things like that but i don't like it it's not that big a deal for me like even though i don't see eye to eye with it it's like well it's your life like live your life and i'll live mine that's the type of christian i am i don't feel like i'm the difficult type of christian i'm chill i'm like you know we may not agree but that's fine we can agree to disagree that's not the way that these people are sorry if i sounded hesitant i was just trying to word it as delicately as possible and so anyway this girl had been mistreated by a guy who she really had trust in and then a girl got involved in the mix and curiosity and all that stuff and she became lesbian she was not one of these people who were would say they were born gay or anything like that it was just like circumstances in her life and you know even if you disagree you have to be i feel like as a christian you have to be understanding towards situations like that i'm not saying that that should make you agree with it or anything like that it's just like have a little mercy on people you know what i'm saying but the homeless church no not like that at all so she would dress like a guy and she would keep her hair like super short like a buzz cut and she was actually told not to come to, like she would be wanting to come to church and they would tell her not to come to church unless she put a dress on and she would come anyways even dressed as a guy and i think that was pretty dang brave of her to do honestly especially in her daddy's church and i say that even disagreeing with her lifestyle because it takes courage to deal with the things she was dealing with with her family and the church and stuff and still come because you have an interest in god like your interest in god be that strong that you would be like you know heck with you i'm going to come anyways no matter what you say to me no matter what you say about me no matter what you think i just think that's pretty awesome and so like everybody wanted to like cast this demon out of her and I feel so sorry for her. Like, I honestly do. I don't know where she is today, but I hope that she found peace, like the peace that she was looking for. I hope that her family treats her better. And just, I don't even have words. Like, it's just terrible, the circumstances she was in. And when she told them, and her dad got up in church and was talking about the phone call he received, I guess, when she called to tell them that she was, you know, coming out. And he said they cried just like she had died. They compared it to her death. I don't know about you, but I would much rather my daughter be a lesbian, even me disagreeing with her lifestyle, than for her to be dead. I don't know how you could compare the two. She would come to church um, 
I remember we had finally settled on a home church and it was an hour and 15 minutes one way and the pastor out there was this absolutely disgusting hunk of crap of a man and I'll get into that in a minute but she came to that church I remember like one time and people would feel like moved on to come back there and try to get her to come to the altar and my mom was like uh, I put my hand on her arm and it was as hard as a porch post and she was grinding her feet in the seat like she wanted to come pray but something within her wouldn't let her pray um she was obviously stressed to the max because people were coming back there and saying and doing things to her this girl when she came out and she left the holiness church she never tried to come back into the church living that lifestyle as like a member she never tried to like sing in church or do anything in church like she knew that like they didn't agree with her and she was you know she was chill about it you know what i'm saying I, I don't know it's it's so crazy to me looking back on it how that people treated her she was coming there and to her dad's church and minding her own dang business she wasn't bothering anybody except the people who were bothered just by the simple fact that she was a lesbian. I never saw her pray. I never saw her get prayed for because she would not come forward. And I don't blame her because she knew they was going to try to cast a demon out of her. So why would you? And I have not heard about her in probably close to eight years or so. It's been a long time. And so I don't know where she is today. I don't know if she ever went back to the homeless church. I don't know if she went to another church. I don't know. But I do hope that she found what she was looking for. I hope that she found a group of Christians that actually loved her and was willing to help her. And just like I hope for everybody else, no matter the lifestyle, I hope she accepted Jesus in her heart. And, you know, that's, that's something I hope for everybody. Their daughter would come and stay with them for periods of time. I don't remember exactly how old she was. I think she was like in her young 20s or something like that. And like everybody knew that like she could not stay there very long because her dad was a preacher and a pastor and she could not be living that lifestyle while under his roof. And I think when you get to the point that you were going to kick your child out for not living a lifestyle that you agree with, you're a piece of crap and you need to pray you need you need to go find Jesus and a few years down the road they had a really horrible incident happen in their life and their son they had the son and then the daughter and he was in church and stuff like that he wasn't their type of like holiness or anything like we thought he was like the worldliest thing around but um him and his wife were in church and so he was kind of the kid that was like okay we don't fully agree with you but like you're more it seemed i don't know for sure but it seemed he was more accepted he was in a horrible car accident and he was never the same like there must have been like brain injuries and stuff like that because he was never the same mentally or physically and i know people are like bad things happen to good people 
and you have people that are like well some other people have to pay the price for other people's sins I don't know I don't know about all that I don't claim to know about all that but I do think that it is a crazy coincidence that they treated one child this way and then something happened to their other child but I'll leave that where it stands so back to the home church that we had settled on okay that I was talking about now before we made this place our home church we had like I said my dad had been evangelizing my dad has wanted to be a pastor forever like almost ever since I can remember and it has never worked out for him he's been in situations where it seems like it might and it never does and I know God has a reason for that I've always said that well after I left um I've always said like after I left that um I think God doesn't want my dad to hurt people but at the same time I don't understand why he let other horrible men in my life become pastors and not my dad I don't God has a plan for everything so you know but every time my dad has tried he's been blocked I remember my great uncle um the church that they started out in he was about to pass away and I guess he knew he was coming up to the end of his life and they were trying to figure out who they wanted to pastor the church so my dad tried to quote unquote get that church and they voted another man instead of him obviously like they was ever going to vote him I don't even know what he was thinking but there's been like I don't know a few situations kind of like that and it just uh, never worked out for him but anyway so the pastor of this church that we had settled on is our home church we went there for a few years I was probably oh gosh I was young 10 to 12 I'm just guessing here and we went there till I was just fixing to turn 16 so we were there for a while and this church was an hour and 15 minutes one way and the pastor was um the worst cult leader that i have come in contact with personally he's the worst homeless preacher i've come in contact with period he is the worst homeless person i've come in contact with period to this day and honey i've been around some doozies he was very controlling, very narcissistic, very um, sexist, and just um, even more so than like normal homeless people. Like it was ridiculous. His dad was a homeless preacher, and um, his mother was very sexist, believe it or not. And I mean, people say that I am because, like, I mean, they would if they knew me, but like in general, they say like women like me. With traditional values that we are but I don't um, understand how a woman could say things that she had said like um, I remember him preaching about how at the bus stop she would look at his sister and tell her to keep her skirt down and her mouth shut but like he never said anything was said to him like oh keep you pee pee in your pants or like like no just the girl this man had two siblings um i think it was his older brother i think and um he didn't survive childhood and but his sister did so 
we started going to this church and we had quite a few people coming out there even like young people and it things were going like really good but we had people coming out there that didn't believe exactly like we did and like the pastor did settling down at this church i was able to make a like obviously it wasn't permanent because we're not really friends now but at the time it was permanent a friend she was a few years older than me and um she was like one of those girls like i looked up to a lot because she had dated and i had never dated and like she had like experienced things in life that i hadn't you know um i dated her little brother for a while i don't i think we were like the same age and i ended up breaking it off with him because i found out he watched cartoons like i know it's like the stupidest thing ever but for a holiness girl you know that was a big deal like he was a flat-out sinner for watching cartoons but me and the girl still stayed friends after that so things were going great as great as it can in the holiness church and i guess the pastor had finally like had enough of people not living how he wanted them to live or something i don't know what he was just a narcissist and he got up in church one night it was like the end of the service best i remember and he just started like naming off things that he didn't believe in and um i don't remember if it was that night or later but i do remember him saying that like we weren't allowed to go to certain churches but i don't think it was that night. i think that i think it was later than that but um he got up and he was like i don't believe in this don't believe in this don't believe in doing your eyebrows believe your sleeve need to be this length and just you know typical strict holiness guy stuff and a lot of people quit going after that uh and i, I don't blame them because i mean that's just ridiculous but so um man i'm sorry it's just kind of hard for me to talk about because it's just so like when i start thinking about it it really it brings back feelings and I have um, blacked out memories like there's things that I don't remember and and then like later after I have left and especially around the time that I had my nervous breakdown which I haven't talked about yet but um, like things will happen and and like remind me and then I'll remember so I honestly don't even know what all happened in this church like most of that period is just blacked out that doesn't mean I'll never remember it because like I just said like you know sometimes I'll get those memories back if I hear something see something smell something it just like randomly like I'll never expect it but sometimes the memories do come back so after we'd been there a while um the church <laughs> that i was raised up in split and they i don't know how i guess it was like through my dad i guess they finally understood what my dad went through when they had to leave so they started coming to our church and it was like um half or more of the church was coming out there so now we had this group of people that believed these strict strict holiness beliefs he had all these people giving money to the church and everything was just going fantastic for him so this pastor 
I mean, he could have done it before these people came, but I honestly only remember him doing it after they came. Um, so I should say these people that I was raised up with, they were used to being led. Like they were used to being sheep and I think that's honestly what they wanted and what they were looking for. And I think he knew that. Um, in case you can't tell, I really do, I don't like this man. So we would have Sunday school and the kids had a Sunday school and the teenagers had a Sunday school and then the adults had a Sunday school. Women were not allowed to teach in the Sunday school. They helped their husbands teach in the Sunday school, even like the little bitty kids, like it didn't matter. And I remember being in the teenage um, Sunday school and like it sucked, I hated it. There wasn't anything fun. It was all just like teaching, um, if that makes sense. Like he had like a curriculum and it was all just prepping us to be holiness people. And so the preacher would do the adult Sunday school and what he was supposed to do was work their way through the Bible and just discuss like a few chapters at a time and like, you know, him say what he felt about it, which is fine. I'm saying like the idea of that is fine. I'm not talking, I want to clear up, I'm not talking about the women not being able to teach Sunday school because that's just ridiculous. I don't agree with that. But as far as like what he was supposed to be doing, like, you know, it's fine. But he would get up there and Sunday school was an hour and he would just start preaching and he would preach like that hour and then the people that didn't come to Sunday school would arrive at church and he would still be preaching and then he would preach another hour or two into the service before we even had like a church service so if you came you better pack a cushion for your high end because trust me it's gonna hurt this man honestly thought that we wanted to sit there and listen to him preach for three hours two and three hours at what a narcissist man what i like that is the definition of a narcissist right there so i think i was 13 at the time i wanted to get saved i didn't want to accept jesus i didn't I didn't know that like there was like a relationship with Jesus or whatever. I wanted to be saved like I thought my parents and everybody else was. Like I wanted to get in, I wanted to shout and things like that. And if you're not familiar with what that is, then um, I don't really know. They feel like that the power of God gets on you to like dance in the spirit, scream in the spirit. Uh, shake your head in the spirit, run in the spirit, shake in the spirit, speak in tongues, prophesy, things like that. And that was what I wanted. Well, and I wanted to like get rid of that constant fear of going to hell too. So I prayed and um, here is where I stand on the uh, the shouting experience or the shouting theology teaching. I believe that if you are living close enough to God and that's what you seek, that's what you want to feel, and you're not going to hurt yourself or anybody else from feeling that, I'm, I mean, I believe it's real. If you, I believe God can let you feel that if that's what you seek. I really do. 
And I also believe that it can be used as a uh, just a form of worship. But they, they t the Holiness Church does not see it that way. Like they, they think it has to be God moving on you to do it. I didn't know what it was like. I had always heard that you weren't supposed to be able to control it, that it was something that you had no control over, that God does it. I didn't know what that felt like. And it's so embarrassing to look back on now, honestly. Like, I hate talking about it. But I was just a kid. I didn't know any better. So, but... I prayed and stuff and I thought I got saved and I thought I was getting in but really I was just doing a bunch of motions myself and um, I thought I was actually like getting in feeling the spirit but I wasn't and but I was never um, I never had anybody come to me and be like um, explain things to me honestly it's really hard for me to find words for this because i'm trying to explain it in a way that somebody that knows nothing about this cult so that they could understand it i thought i got saved so we got to the car that night and my dad like started drilling me with these questions of trying to get me to admit that I hadn't got saved that night because from the very beginning him and the pastor of this church um they didn't give me like a chance like they was they they knew that I was like they thought like that it wasn't gosh I don't even know how to say it like they didn't think I was faking on purpose they just um said that they knew that it wasn't God moving on me to do that but he couldn't get me to say that I hadn't got saved because I thought I had. And then my mom got in the car and I was I was excited. I was like so excited. And I was like, when am I going to get baptized? And my mom got really hateful with me and was like, we got to see if you're going to stand first. And uh, But it didn't bring me down. It didn't bother me. Um, I went on like that for about gosh I guess about two years me still believing I was saved my dad and stuff like they never would come right out and say like you're not saved but I was more so of a um person they just like I think it's because my dad was a preacher but I was like a person that they tolerated who they really didn't um confident that they didn't take me seriously, but I was just kind of like allowed to be. I wasn't doing like I wasn't doing anything bad. I was trying to live like a holiness person. I quit watching TV. I had quit like listening to non-Christian music. I had, I was doing like all these things. I was praying like the minimum thirty minutes a day required, and but I didn't even know how to pray, uh, honestly. And nobody was willing to teach me because it's just something you're supposed to know how to do. But I was baptized, in case you were wondering. But anyway, so I've been homeschooling from middle school uh, and then all the way up to... Well, I started homeschooling in 7th and then half of my 8th. And then I was allowed to go to school for a while. So I went to school for half of my 8th and my full freshman year of high school. And I went to a Christian school. It was a private school. It wasn't, trust me, 
I'm poor, man. Like, I grew up poor. It wasn't a fancy school or anything like that. It was a income-based tuition type thing, and it was, like, in the middle. It's, it's in the middle of nowhere. And, but, I mean, they were, they were a really good group of people, most of them. And it was a pretty good school to go to. I mean, it's pretty much like public school. I mean, when I went there, except there's just fewer of us. But it is nice as far as like on an educational level because the teachers are able to work more one-on-one. -on -one. But anyway, so I started going out there and that's when things started to change for me. When I started going to school and being around other people, my OCD had really started like, I mean, it was in full throttle, panic, running mode. I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it was so intense. And that started when I thought I got saved because I didn't want to do anything wrong. I was constantly, like, repenting for things that I didn't even have to repent over and things like that. So, going to school with the, the stress of doing, like, a new thing, it got even worse. And so, at this point, I started dealing with OCD. There's so many different types of OCD, and I've had just about every single um, type affect me at one point or another in my life. But at this specific time, I was dealing with, like, um, things had to be exactly right with my appearance, like my hair and stuff. And it goes beyond, like, normal teenager wanting to look good. It's It goes beyond that. And, like, um, I was doing the obsessive praying in my head, like, all day. Sometimes I would have to do it out loud. And in case you were wondering, yes, people did catch me doing it. And they were, they probably thought I was absolutely insane. Which, I was the only one there wearing skirts and stuff, too. So, I was the only homeless person there. And, you know, it was just, it's really embarrassing. While being in that half, what do you call it, uh, a semester of 8th grade, I developed sexuality OCD and it's so important that people understand not just like me being a Christian or anything like that I mean if I had been gay I would be able to admit to you that I was gay it's not like that it's it stems from the religious OCD it's not denial about being gay it's not like you're so afraid of being gay like because whatever like it's not you're not gay. It's just your OCD has you constant, constantly questioning your sexuality. Like, I'm 100% straight. I've always been 100% straight. But at that point in time, it got so bad that I actually told my parents that I thought I liked girls. But in all honesty, I did not. It was just the fact that I was so scared of, like, being possessed and stuff like that and like if I looked at another girl too long I would think that I was feeling a demon possess me so it is a really horrible type of OCD to have so that was really hard and then my freshman year I stopped being holiness and which me living at home, I still had to follow all the rules. Like, I didn't have to pray and read my Bible as much. But, like, I had to, like, still wear the skirts, no haircut, no makeup, all that stuff. It was still, I mean, because when you're a child or a young teenager, you're just like a mini holiness person. 
I, I didn't put on this huge show. I didn't make like a big scene or anything like that. Um, they call it backsliding when you leave the holiness church or you quit doing the holiness rules or whatever. They call it backsliding. And my mom come out and asked me, I don't know what we were fighting over, but she was like, are you backslid? And I was like, yeah, I am. And it just totally blew their world apart. And they found out that I had snuck and wore pants to school. And like, that was one of like the worst things that you could ever do in the Holiness Church is wear a pair of pants. So their world just like, my mom, I think she legit was on the borderline of a, um, a nervous breakdown of some type. Things were like so rough at home. And I'd go to school and it would be like a little bit of freedom. And I did have a few friends that supported me and, you know, tried to like help me. But I was still like the oddball at school and I was still like bullied. I had some really just like crappy stuff happen to me in high school just because I was like the weirdo. And... I didn't really know what to do. I had never rebelled at all. I didn't really do anything that was, I mean, would be considered crazy. Like, I didn't go out and drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't have sex. I just, like, I was, like, cussing and watching TV. And um, we would, like, huff things. You know, just stupid teenage stuff like that. But I don't feel like that I did anything that was, like, insane. And I would just feel so, like, <clears throat> like unappreciated. And I actually remember telling my mom and dad, I was like, do you know how many people would love to have a daughter like me? You know, because I don't do anything. And I would be afraid that, like, God was going to punish me for things. I would have such anxiety that I'd feel like my throat was closing up. And I thought God was going to kill me by closing my throat up because I thought I was sinning you know, but there was not a doubt in my mind that I was not going to leave home as soon as I turned 18. I was planning on going to my senior prom. I like, you know, I wasn't allowed to go to any dances or anything like that. Like prom was totally out of the question. And that was something I'd always wanted to do. And, um, I was just ready. Like I was ready. So ready. And I remember one of my friends telling me, like, listen, you've made it this long. You can make it three more years because I was 15 at the time. Uh, fixing turn 16 in just a very short amount of time. I made plans to move in with my best friend as soon as I turned 18. And you may be like, oh, well, you guys were 15. Like, you, you didn't know what you were talking about. It was just stupid, foolish kid stuff. No, it wasn't. It was 100% real and it was 100% serious. And the plans were set. So, even though I wasn't like holiness anymore, I, like I said, I still had to follow all the rules except the praying and reading the Bible. And I would sneak and do some things in private. Like, um, I'd sneak like some nail polish at my, um, my mama's house that didn't go to church. And some of her makeup, stuff like that, but nothing... You know, and I snuck and wore a pair of pants like one time. <laughs> and so I would come to church. I wouldn't try to take part in the service. I would just sit there. I don't even remember me playing the tambourine. Like, in case you haven't ever been to a homeless church, like everybody plays the tambourine. But, not literally, but figuratively. 
I don't remember clapping my hands. I, I don't I didn't sing. I didn't do anything. I didn't bother anybody. I didn't bother anything. I just came because I had to and I'd sit there till it was over, right? One service, the pastor of this church was preaching. I don't know what the heck he was preaching about. It was nothing to do with sinners or anything like that, best I remember. Probably just him talking to himself, basically. And he looked over at my dad and he told my dad that he loved him. And then he walked off the pulpit and walked way back to my pew in front of everybody and shook his finger in my face and told me that because my dad was a preacher, if I did anything to disqualify him from preaching, then God would take me out of the picture. And so, I mean, he told me that, um, that God would, would kill me, basically. And I knew that I was not going to go back in the homeless church. I knew that. And I also knew that I was doing things that the homeless church did not agree with. So there I was in that predicament. And I would have rathered God just kill me than for me to go back to live in this hole in this lifestyle. So I went home and I was just like devastated. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to feel. Because in my mind, God was going to kill me. And so I decided if God is going to kill me anyways... I'll just go ahead and kill myself. I was so naive. I didn't know anything. I didn't know how I was going to kill myself, but I knew that um, that I wanted to. I mean, I didn't want to, but I mean, I was like, what's the point, you know? And so I called up some of my friends and I was like, I told them what happened and I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I told them I wanted to kill myself and I was like, well, if I don't come to school tomorrow, you'll know what happened. I did not do any, I know people think that teenagers do a lot of stuff for attention, but I did not do any of that for attention. I genuinely had nobody to tell. I had nobody to talk to. I had nobody to come to. And that's why I talked to these girls. And when I told them that if I was um, not there the next day, I didn't tell them that to worry them or make them concerned about me or anything when I called them and I told them I was like I didn't think you would care like I figured you would tell me to go ahead like I was so deep in depression that even my friends I thought didn't care anything about me so I got off the phone they had um, made me feel better about the situation somehow and I decided not to kill myself I woke up the next morning physically ill like I mean I was sick because of what had happened obviously and um, I had completely forgot that I had told the girls if I wasn't at school then I would have killed myself so since I woke up sick I didn't go to school that day they knew every detail of what happened and they knew it was a serious situation when I didn't show up they freaked out, obviously, and they went to the guidance counselor at the school and told her everything. And she said something to them that I don't think I'll ever forget. She said, yeah, I noticed she'd been um, looking down lately, like she'd been looking depressed lately. But she never said anything to me. She never came to me. And it wasn't that she was overwhelmed. There, there was like 10 students 
in the freshman class, like 10 or 12 of us. And it was that way for pretty much every grade. There was no reason why she couldn't have took two minutes out of her day to pull me aside and try to see what was going on with me. And I will never forget that. But after finding out everything, she did finally do something smart and she called my mom. She explained to my mom what was going on. My mom kind of like sat down with me that evening and tried to talk to me about it. And I told her. And I was like, I figured if God was going to kill me that I'd go ahead and do it myself. And my dad came into the room and she explained it to him. And that was that. And I actually asked my dad not too long ago, did he ever say anything to that man? And he told me he didn't. And him and, and him and my mom tried to tell me that that never even happened. Yeah, gaslighting at its finest. But maybe I was too quick to say that because my husband, we were talking about it and he said, well, you do know it's a, it's a, a mental disorder to block out things you don't want to accept. And so I have to leave that in the equation but it, the thing is, I know that they knew because we, I mean, we talked all about it. So, but anyway, it went on a few more nights. I mean, like I said, um, they never said anything to him. So obviously we didn't quit going to church there. And it was a very few nights later. School was out by this time. So it was the summer before my sophomore year. And we had this visiting preacher come and he was one of the he might have actually been like the only visiting preacher that, that this guy would let come and he got up in church preaching and he started talking about how like if somebody didn't get saved that night that there was it was going to be a sad sad time in their house but i mean saying they was going to die is basically what he was saying and because i was one of one of the only very very few sinners there i was convinced that he was talking about me and so obviously i was emotional and tore up and i didn't know what to think i went and sat down in the very back pew of the church and i was having like people coming to me trying to get me to pray and i didn't want to be part of the holiness church i didn't i didn't want anything to do with it i wanted to be saved but like i thought the only way i could be saved was to live like that and i wasn't gonna live like that i ended up going in the bathroom and locking myself in the bathroom and crying i remember putting my head against the wall and i was like god i don't want this so it went on and on and like I said, I, I mean, I was flat out being harassed pretty much and I was convinced that if I didn't do this, that I was going to die like that night, probably on the way home. So I got down to pray and people were like getting down to pray around me. Um, my mom was like putting on some kind of, I don't know what the heck she was trying to, some kind of show um just like huge heaving cries laying on my back and it was just a bunch of just <sighs> oh gosh and the pastor of the church was like screaming at people to come pray with me and um i eventually like i just gave up and i did what they wanted me to do and 
me and everybody else thought that I got saved that night. And I thought I was saved for years and years. And after I left the Holiness Church and after I left the Catholic Church, which I'll get into later, and I realized after I truly accepted Christ, after leaving all that stuff, and I actually um, casted my feelings aside and actually praying and willingly accepting Jesus, I told my husband, I was like, was I even saved to begin with? And, and I know now that Christ is not going to force himself on somebody like that. I mean, that's, it's ridiculous to think that. Because the whole time I was praying, I was talking to God about how I was so mad and how it wasn't fair and how I didn't want to do it. And finally, eventually, I was like, well, will you save me or whatever? And that was that. So we went there to that church. I want to say, this is a rough estimate, I want to say about a year more. And the reason that we left was because, oh gosh, this pastor was just a hot mess, okay? He wasn't even a hot mess. He was like a steaming pile of dog crap. That's, I mean, that's the opinion I have of this man. And he decided that he was not, quote unquote, qualified to preach anymore. And he had to, quote unquote, lay the Bible down because his wife was not, was not, like living with him which was nothing unusual I don't understand what the problem was be I mean it obviously is a problem but what I'm saying is is it had been going on forever like she would come stay with him a little while and then she would leave him she comes stay with him a little while and then she leave him I don't know if she's with other men I don't know um we would be told that she was with her mother I don't know what the heck was going on so it wasn't unusual I don't know what suddenly made him up and decide unless it was part of the plan to just get rid of my dad and I'll get into why in a second but it was um, a really horrible experience for me and my family but especially my dad my mom and dad they put such blind trust in people they you have people that will be like oh don't put your faith in men because men will fail you but they do repeatedly I think that ever since my mom and dad left that church that they um, like started out in, my great uncle's church, ever since they've left, they have been looking for like this shepherd. So when he up and decides this, by this time, there is a lot of people going to this church now because where the church I was raised up in had split, they had come there, and they were like living their best life or what what the heck ever. And they were actually under stress from that other church because I would hear people talk about it because they were terrified because they weren't going to church there. That like uh, I remember a girl talking about her mom telling her like, oh, I don't want you to be destroyed. Like that was what she said because they really felt like that anywhere else but there was like this god forsaken land and there was like little hope for us at all <laughs> so this preacher decided that he was gonna turn over the church to my dad because dad had been there out of there was like um a couple other preachers there 
but dad had been there by this psycho side the longest so that's what they decided to do was turn over the church to him and this pastor would hold meetings in he would take the men back to the sunday school room and have a meeting with them and they weren't allowed to tell anybody anything like they weren't supposed to even tell their wives which my dad did but because dad I think dad has a tug in his heart that he knows but he also has been so indoctrinated that he can't hardly <laughs> I don't know how to explain it but yeah he would always tell my mom what went on he didn't tell me but I knew the gist of things just by you know things that they dropped here and there but so we would have like widows and in the church and stuff that had no clue what was going on and they were so confused and when you don't tell people anything they don't they don't have a reason to not be on your side so those men that were not even telling their wives they were blindly following what what their husbands had decided to do and of course I know the Bible says submit to your husband but I don't think it means like blindly follow and he tells you nothing and you just go with it and no it's a respect it's a mutual respect type deal oh gosh and it's so insane that somebody would be so insecure that he was too afraid to tell the women of the church what was going on for like fear of like them doing something about it <laughs> and the saddest part is they wouldn't even done anything but they deserved to know so they had their little boys only clubhouse meeting and so that's what was decided and so we had people there that were consider my dad a pastor and then we have people who were still considering this other guy their pastor because they were expecting him to come back like he really that's the only thing that makes sense in this situation is that it was all to get my dad to leave and why is because well I cannot say for sure I don't have proof but I think he was intimidated by my dad because a lot of people looked up to my dad those people that had came over from the church I was raised up in they had known dad for years and a lot of them you know saw stuff that was going on and one of their preachers that left with them actually got like banned from preaching because he said something about the pastor's grandson and I think that really opened up people's eyes uh maybe Jonathan Markham is not a horrible person because they kicked him out or whatever oh and by the way they will never admit to you that, like they kick anybody out or anything like that everything is your choice but you have no choice and I have read that about like the FLDS I hope I'm saying that right fundamentally straight yeah and like how they're like oh, nobody is forcing you to get married you are the one that says yes yeah you're the one that says yes and you're the one that does these things but you you're not there's a power dynamic and you're not it's not fair so that whenever somebody uses that against you just throw that out the window because no absolutely not it is uh, not by choice and the idea was is that this pastor would leave 
and not come back and fully turn the church over to my dad. And my dad was never power hungry or anything like that, but he has always wanted to be a pastor ever since I can remember pretty much. He's wanted to be a pastor. And so this was the time he got to finally be a pastor. And it went on maybe, gosh, what, maybe a month or two. And this preacher comes back, this pastor, and he sits in the pew and he like looks all pitiful, like making people feel sorry for him and stuff. And then he gets up to testify. And those of you that don't know what testifying is in the Holiness Church, it can be, gosh, those of you that have been in the Holiness Church will know exactly what I'm talking about. It's something, it's pretty hard to pin it down. So you got some people who will get up and talk about what God has done for them. Maybe he's healed them or helped them in a circumstance or provided for them, something like that. And in my mind, that was what testifying should have been. Now, I don't um, support testifying in church because it's not in the Bible. It Nowhere in the Bible does it say a part of the service is to get up and give free reign to whoever wants to get up and, and jabber. like Because you get some people that will just like talk about their whole week like basically just old like you'll get old people that just like they don't have anybody to talk to and they'll just start using testifying to talk to people like you know which is sad but i mean it does happen and then you have people that like nobody else is going to listen to them unless they get up and testify and then you have like no choice but to listen to them so i don't i don't like testimony time in a church service. I actually have not seen a testimony time in a church service since I've left the Holiness Church. I I don't know if other churches do that, which I have only been to non-denominational churches and which we did do testimony at that church, but the pastor was a like Pentecostal type preacher, but he did not like he was not part of the cult or anything like that. So it must be a homeless Pentecostal thing. I don't know. I've only ever been to, I want to say too, I've only ever been to one Baptist church service and I didn't get to stay to the end because my child was like throwing a fit and acted out. So I don't know if they testify at the end of that or not. I don't know, but it's, it, I don't know, but <laughs> it's, um, it's a very strange, uh, topic. <laughs> So he gets up and testifying and he just starts preaching really and he's moving around and the spirit's supposed to be moving on him and stuff like that and everybody just starts like like backing him and like cheering him on and stuff like that and then next thing you know my dad gets a phone call or he called him one to other I don't remember but he was on the phone with him and he told dad that he was going to take the church back. Which is, okay, so this is why I think that it was all an elaborate plot to get rid of my dad. I mean, like I said, no proof, but it's the only thing that makes sense because he told my dad that he was going to get up and announce it to the church that following Sunday, and he told my dad not to come. He did not want my dad to be there, and I remember I said, Dad, you better go because you don't know what he's gonna say about you. And so my dad went 
and we don't know what was said after he left but I do know that other people left when dad did because there was like I mean that was a lot for some people and so we left that church and my dad was an evangelist he's been an evangelist ever since he's tried to pastor two other churches that I know of that were not open by the way just like um buildings and it has never worked out and I'm so glad and I hope that it never does because I don't agree with what my dad says about things and it was really hard for me because I had just started to make friends because well I don't know I guess I felt more comfortable with that older crowd that I had been with before you know which there was some new faces but and like the church was trying to come together but this pastor prevented it he just totally demolished that and uh, to my knowledge he closed that church down and I don't think he's like going to church anywhere or anything now but this is the man that claimed to be one of God's chosen people because he was a preacher and all that stuff yeah my dog outside is more of a chosen one than he is and that's where I'm going to end this specific podcast and I hope you guys enjoyed it and I hope you will join me for the next podcast I am getting things together right now for a requested podcast about like a QA and a and advice for people leaving a cult or dealing with a cult or you know whatever and I really have high hopes for this podcast because it's it's crazy every time I start to stop because I have been an advocate I mean, I'm not trying to give myself a title or anything, but that's really the only thing I can think of, like an advocate for almost three years now of, you know, talking about the Holiness Church and the people in the Holiness Church and bringing to light things about the Holiness Church. And I get so discouraged because I have gotten so much backlash, especially when I became anti-MLM, which I'll get into in another podcast. But I have been done so dirty. I have, and this is not for pity. I'm just saying, I have been talked about. I have been, I have had awful things said to me. And it, I don't have thick skin. Yeah, believe it or not. I am a very sensitive person. Even after being in therapy and all that. I still struggle with being super sensitive and being a people pleaser and you know people know just where to hit you to make you feel guilty too and in the beginning I was getting people messaging me talking about how they went through the same things and stuff like that and I felt like I was helping people and then it would go a while and I'd feel like I wasn't having any impact and then I would like want to stop and sometimes I would even wish I'd never said anything at all, period. And then I would have somebody message me and talk about how, you know, I had helped them, how much they love my podcast and stuff like that. And multiple times this has happened. And so to me, it just shows me that it, it, it is, I'm doing the right thing. It's meant for me to do this because if it wasn't, I don't feel like God would keep nudging me in this direction. People that leave the Holiness Church or Holiness Pentecostal movement 
and I mean cults in general, but um, it is so unique. Like you feel like nobody understands. My nose and breathing have gone all funky because allergies have hit me out of nowhere recording this. <laughs> but, and you know, this cult is, it's very remote because it's, it's mostly in the Appalachia area. And so, I mean, not, I mean, people in America know about cults like Scientology and they know about like Jehovah's Witness and things like that because they're everywhere, you know? But to my knowledge, it's only here. This is only here. And that makes it even harder. I've been asked like, have I been shunned? Do, do my parents still talk to me? I was not shunned. I cut off ties with people. I don't talk to a lot of people that I used to. And listen, the hardest thing is when you talk to people in the Holiness Church and they agree with you. Like, I'm not talking about having a debate. I'm talking about us discussing what we believe and them agreeing with you, but them looking at you and saying, I can't leave. I've been in it too long or I can't because my son is a preacher or I can't because I just I've tried and I can't I've heard of um, one woman in particular that left and left her husband and ran off with I'm not I'm not joking with you with a motorcycle gang and two preachers went and got her and brought her back it's not always easy and people like I've been asked too like do you think you're in danger yeah I do because people get so entangled in this stuff that and I have told people like anybody will lie to you like I don't care who it is I don't care how holy you think they are whether it be your parents or your um spouse or your friends I don't care who it is because people in the wholeness church would rather tell you a lie and repent and get you back in the wholeness faith than to not. So do I think that somebody would hurt me? Yes, I do. I think that if I was to be in direct contact with somebody and they decided to leave or they have been thinking seriously about leaving, uh, yes, I definitely believe I could be physically harmed but it it hasn't happened yet i haven't been threatened with that yet but is it a possibility yes it definitely is people do not understand how serious it is and they look at them and they look at their long stringy hair and they look at their skirts and they think that they're harmless people but they're not if someone comes to you and they're talking about leaving their cult even if it's one you don't think is a big deal, take them seriously. If they say that they're in harm's way, do not take it lightly. They mean it. And trust me, they would not say it if they didn't mean it because it's a scary thing to admit to yourself. It took me a long time to admit that to myself. But I do want to clear up and say I don't think I'm in like danger, like immediate danger right now. I'm just saying that it is a possibility you know, I don't want you to, like, freak out. No, I, like, I'm not, like, waiting for somebody to, like, grab me by my car or anything like that. 
It's just in the back of my head, I do know with 100% certainty that it is a possibility. But didn't I say I was ending this podcast? Like, I've been going on forever and I said I was ending it like way while ago. But anyway, I am going to end this podcast now. And um, I am really looking forward to uh, answering people's questions and, you know, giving them advice that they asked for. I don't want to give them, you know, just advice. I want them to, (laughs) I want to give the advice that they asked for. But I hope you guys have a great day and I hope you'll join me back for my next podcast. Bye.